Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. If you're new to church, you're very welcome. My name's Davey. I'm going to be sharing um, from the Bible tonight. We believe this next part is something that we believe that this Bible is the truth. And this is a word that God has given us to challenge us, to motivate us, to encourage us. Um, and it is Stephen and I's privilege, yet um, sort of worry in the future when God will judge us, um, to get to come and share with you and challenge you on a word um, that God has for us. This is a series we've been looking at the last, it feels like forever, um, called Unwritten, and looking um, at this idea of trying to write a new story, write a story um, for our lives that will, that will encourage us, that will be the best story that we can have. Um, and so tonight I'm going to be speaking from a title, Battle Ready. Battle Ready. And Joshua chapter 10, we're going to read from verse 1 to 15, or 1 to 13. Um, and I'll, I'll explain after a bit of the context of what's going on. It's, we're sort of diving into a part of this story in the, the Old Testament, but I'll explain as I go along. So um, Joshua chapter 10 and verse 1 says, Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed a and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when he heard all this, because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than I. And the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonizedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, Huam of Hebron, Piram of Jarmuth, Jephiah of Lachish, and Debar of Eglon. Come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who lived in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. Verse 7. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. So Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way to Azekah and Makedah. As the Amorites, re Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with a sword. Verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. 
So we're looking at this idea of a story. We're looking at this idea of a, your story, my story, loads of different stories. And we've looked at different parallels. And so a quick question, a show of hands, who loves going to the cinema? We all do. It's okay. It's okay to go to the cinema nowadays. Usually you weren't allowed back in the day, but it's okay to go to the cinema as long as it's not on a Sunday, I think. Um, but I love going to the cinema, and we'll do, a wee, we'll do a wee quick show of hands here. Who loves a good rom-com? I put two hands up for that. Come on, man, it's okay. Love a good rom-com. What about a, a thriller? Anyone like a thriller? Sort of you try and solve it, and you fail every time. Um, or a, a drama. You like to be on the edge of your seat. You like to be on your edge of your seat, some people. Wait to see this. A horror? Anyone like a horror? Mm, depends what. Some of them are sort of like, I don't know if I should, it's in church, and I'm, but yes, I do. I love like an action-adventure film. I really love action-adventure films. And from when I was, I was young, I have an older brother and two older sisters. So when my brother um, used to really love action-adventure films, and he used to make me watch them. And then because I was a younger brother, he used to like act them out on me. But I always seemed to be wash off at the end of it and got through on the sofas and threw down trees and sand dunes and stuff. But I love, love action adventure films um, because I just sort of love putting myself into those positions. I love to think and imagine, I wonder what it'd be like to actually go and do that, to have a car chase. And, and I used to have every Christmas and things got guns and toy guns and it was really bad if you came into our house. You were like, what's going on? Why, what are you doing? Like these terrorists, why have you got all these guns? Um, and I remember one, one specific Christmas getting a, a toy, toy sword. And at the time, it was sort of the films, Lord of the Rings and stuff were coming out. And I used to think, this is me. I am, I am Aragorn. I used to run about with my sword and like hit cushions and things and sofas and the dog and stuff to pretend I was fighting him. And then I remember going out to uh, different forest parks, Kernwood Forest Park or up at... Um, uh, Scrabble and going about the, the forest park and, and I used to run about and, and fight and fight nothing and jump about in trees and stuff and then I would love, love life, it was great and then you would hear the voice sort of shouting, Davey, you're 25, you're getting married in six weeks, you need to calm this down, but do I have to? But I would have loved, I really do love those types of films of an action adventure with a battle scene and, and sort of Lord of the Rings would be one of, one of my favorite films or has anyone seen, this could really split the church, Braveheart? Yes, good, come on, Braveheart. I was going to get Chippo to come up and do the William Wallace speech, he can do it off by heart with accent and everything or maybe we should get Jock to do it, Jock would be better doing it. <laughs> um, but I love that bit in sort of, there's this battle that William Wallace and the Scottish are about to go and fight against the English and they're on this, this field, they're on the brink of a great battle and you can see the sort of, uh, the Scottish people, a wee bit fearful of these English, I'm not really sure how we're going to take this fight and, and so up steps William Wallace and he comes with this, with this roaring speech, this motivational speech um, and then they, they moon the, the English. This doesn't happen in Joshua. But there's this, there's this amazing sort of speech that happens, this motivational speech that roars them up. And the bit we're jumping into is at the start in verse, um, verse 8, is, is God gives his sort of motivational speech to Joshua. But to understand this battle, to understand what's going on, we need to understand what's happened just before that. So I've asked some of the guys who are going to join me, some of the guys who have said they're going to help me out to come on stage now. They're going to help us out. Come on now, come on, come on, come on. They're going to help um, illustrate my, my point. So Stephen, I need you to go down the back. 
You can go down that side. The other guys, Maddie, you're going to come up here. The other guys are going to go across there. So let's just illustrate a bit of context of what's going on here. So Stephen at the back, he represents Joshua. He represents Joshua and the Israelites. You don't need to leave church, Stephen. Come on in. <laughs> he represents Joshua. That's it there. Joshua and the Israelites. So if you look in, in chapter 9, you could read this in chapter 9. This is Joshua and the Israelites. God has given them a command to go into the land of Canaan and wipe out everyone. And so Matthew rep represents the Gibeonites. He stands in, a, in an area called Gibeon. And so, come on, Stephen, you're going to come and, and kill Matthew, but not actually happen on stage. So he's going to come, but stop there, stop there. What happens in chapter 9 is you read that the Gibeonites realize of how powerful Jerusalem, or how powerful, sorry, the Israelites and Joshua have been. So they come, come with me, come with me. They come to meet them halfway to make a treaty. So they make treaty, they don't want to fight, they don't want to fight because they know they're going to lose, so use of the shake hands, use their best friends now. And so what the Israelites decide to do is they're not going to take these ones out, they're not going to kill them, they're not going to, they're going to make a treaty. But then they go away, go away Stephen, but you're staying here, Matthew, you stay here. You have to stay up here on stage, and, and he is the Gibeonites, remember? Now, these guys represent the five Amorite kings, okay? So these five people, which we, you can read in verse 3. They represent five. There's one missing, I understand, but this is just a representation. <laughs> these represent the five Amorite kings, and so they're scared of what the Israelites can do. And they're scared of this treaty because out of all the fighters, Matthew's the strongest. He's the one with it. He's the best warrior. So they're scared of what they can do. And so they get together in a wee pack and they say, right, we're going to get together and we're going to take these ones out. And so what happens is they get together and they come. Boys, these are going to come and, and have a fight with Matthew, not on stage. This PG. But we jump into the story at this point where the Gibeonites have made a treaty with the, the Israelites and they then cry out, you just go grab a seat, go grab a seat. Give them a hand, guys. Thank you. They make a treaty with them and say, okay, you don't attack us and we'll be your mates. And that's all thumbs up. But then there's this point where they come in to fight against the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites then call on, they call on the Israelites saying, we're friends. We made a treaty and we're in need of help. And so Joshua, the main person of this story, gets a message. He hears a message to say, you need to come and help us. He gets a message of there's a battle about to go on. And maybe you're in this church tonight and you've got news of a message that you're about to go on a battle. Maybe you've got news of a message in your life that there's going to be a battle. Maybe you've got a health report, not maybe necessarily you, but a family member of a health report that scares you that you realize this is going to be a tough battle. This is going to be a tough battle. Or maybe you've got news of a financial struggle in your home, in your own life. Financially, there's a battle that you're about to face. Maybe you've got news of, of a friend or yourself. You're going through an addiction. You're struggling with addiction. And this is a battle that you've been fighting for a long time. Or there's a crisis in work. You're stressed. Between you and your husband or you and your wife, there's a marriage issue. There's a breakdown in your family. Your future, you're so scared about your future. It's a constant battle of what I am doing with my future and my life. There's a relationship breakdown. Your job feels like a battle every day that you go through. I want to look at verse 8. And this is, God's, this is God's motivational speech before you. This is God's motivational speech before Joshua. But this is his motivational speech before you. Listen to what he says. He says, Do not 
be afraid of them. For I've given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Now, this is a good, this is a good thing. We're, we're feeling a wee bit better about ourselves. God said, do not be afraid. But we need to understand that in the first chapter of Joshua, one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible is Joshua 1.9. This is my command, be strong and courageous. And God says this to Joshua just after Moses has died and the, the, the sort of leadership authority has been passed on to Joshua. And God says in verse, you can read it, verse 6, 7, 8, and 9, in the space of four verses, God says three times, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then here he's about to go into battle. And what does God say to him again? He says, do not be afraid. And church, I want to say that to you tonight, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, God is saying to you and trying to speak into your life and says, do not be afraid. I don't know individually your circumstances. I don't know the battles you're going through, but I can guarantee this and this alone. God is involved in it. God is involved in your battle. God is involved in your situation. It may not seem that, but God is saying, do not be afraid. I am involved. And there's going to be a phrase. I'm going to ask Eve to put the phrase up. See, this is a phrase that we would, I would oft, often say. Not this one, the other way around. I would say it is, if I could do it, I would do it. If I could do something, I would do it. And maybe you're thinking that about your battle. Maybe you're thinking about that about your situation. If I could do it, I would do it. But I believe God is flipping it around and saying to you, no, no, no. If you would do it, you could do it. If you would try it, you could do it. If you would reach into your situation and try and fight, then you could. If you would try and fight your battles and your situations, then you could do it. If you would do it, you could do it. I'm going to ask Kyle if you could bring uh, my next illustration. I'm going to ask Lee to come up as well. All the illustrations tonight, in for a treat. So Lee, in this situation, he's going to represent me and you, okay? He's going to represent me. He's going to represent you. He's going to represent Joshua in this situation. And what Kyle's going to bring down, this is going to, this is going to represent your battle. This is going to represent your, your fight this is going to represent the emotional struggle you're going through, the relationship breakdown, the financial breakdown. This is going to represent that. And me, just for tonight only, I'm going to represent God. Just don't say anything. But just for this one moment, I'm going to represent God. So we have our situation. We have our battle. Whatever you're going through in life, this is it. And Lee is going to then sit down. Sit down. Other way, other way. Kyle, Kyle did a shabby job there. And this represents the weight in your life. This represents the battle. This re represents your struggle. This represents. And what God is saying is, if you would do it, you could do it. Go ahead. And what he's going to do is he's going to push up against this. Just a wee half bit. Because God says, I need you to do that. And I'll do this. Back down. I need you to push up a bit. And I'll do that. I need you, you to try it. And I'll do the rest. Because we jump into this situation. And th on three occasions, we're going to note three occasions here in this passage we've read. That God asks Joshua to make the first move. God asks Joshua, lay down, to push just a bit and I'll do the rest. Oh, that was a lot. <laughs> just push and I'll do the rest. Thank you. And so the first passage we see, the first bit we see is this, is the journey. The journey. Verse 9. 
Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. So God has just given this command, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then the next thing, the first occasion we see this is Joshua is making the first step. He goes from Gilgal to Gibeon. Now, it's about 60 miles. So what would be if we all packed our bags and walked from here to Coleraine? That's the distance it probably walked. But it was about a three and a half thousand foot climb as well. So this distance of about 60 miles. Now, let's think about this, guys. He's not walking 60 miles to sit and make daisy chains. He's not walking 60,000 miles to go to Ramor. He's walking 60,000? 60, 60, 60 miles. I would walk 60,000 miles for more. He's walking 60 miles to go into battle, to fight, where there is going to be death, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be struggle. He is walking 60 miles to go into a fight and a battle. But he makes the first move. And I'm going to quote Ethan here. Because a few years ago, Ethan spoke of Relentless, and he said this quote, It's not about your ability, but about your availability. Churches, it's not about your ability to whether you can fight the situations you're going through. It's not about your ability whether you can fight to save your marriage. It's not about your ability to see if you can fight the financial breakdown that you're in or the, the, the health report you're going through or the crisis you're going to work. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability of whether you're willing to let God use you or whether you're willing to let God to step in. And all you need to do is do your wee push and go, I'll do, I'll do the rest. It's about your availability. And here is Joshua's availability. He is willing to travel, even though he knows he's going into battle against not one, not two, not three, not four, but five kings in their armies. Five kings in their armies. He is still willing to walk 60 miles because he has heard God's promise. Do not be afraid. I have given you them. And so all he needs to do is walk in and push his wee bit. And God says, I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. That is the journey. Look at the next passage. This is the next part, is the fight. We have the journey, and now we have the fight. In verse 10, it goes on to say that the Lord threw them into a panic. Sorry, this is my last point, the journey. Sorry. The Lord threw them into a panic because Joshua did his wee bit. He walked into the battle, and then what did God do? Threw them into a panic. He'd done something possible that he could never have done. So God is asking you, if you will just do your bit, if you would try your bit, then I can throw him into the panic. I can do the impossible, but I need you to do your bit. And then we'll go into verse 10, the fight. The fight. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way. This is again their part. Joshua makes the first move. Joshua initiates this. God has asked them to wipe out. In Deuteronomy 20, he says, I want you to wipe out everyone in the land. But they have to make the first move. They're not waiting on God doing something. And church, we need to make the first move. In your story, in your fight, you need to make the first move. You need to do the thing that God has commanded you. And it's the same as this. I need to fix this a wee bit. But this is the next situation that we go through. It's God is saying, you've went through what I've asked you to do already. And here's the next part. Joshua has done his journey. Joshua has walked and God threw them into a panic. Now this is the next bit. God is saying, I want you to fight them and I want you to kill them. And what does he do? He just has to push his wee bit and God does the rest. He has to push his wee bit and God does the rest. 
And we can read that here in verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 10, as, as I said, the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way. Verse 11, as the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until he reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with their sword. See, Joshua just done his bit. The Israelites done their bit. They pushed, they fought, they did what they could. And what did God do? He stepped in and he done more than they could with their sword. He fought more of the battle than they could. And church, I believe God's saying that to you. Whatever battle you're facing, if you would do your bit, then he will do the rest. If you will be available, then he steps in with his ability and does more of that than you could do. And then we look at the third part. So we've had the journey, we've had the fight, and then we have the prayer. Verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So again, we have the next part of the story. We have him just simply going on a journey. He's just had to walk. He's just had to walk from, for 60 miles. Some of you, that's like, that's a nightmare. I couldn't walk 60 miles. But he has had to just do a journey. Then the next part gets a bit more difficult. It's a fight. And then the next bit, go on, big guns. The next bit is a bit more difficult, but God, what does he do? He steps in. One more. Getting to work it in. He steps in. And so verse 12, we read that. We read that, that Joshua gives the prayer. He prays. He prays this bold, sun stand still prayer. But do you know what we've missed, church? We see that Joshua prays that the sun would stand still. That's a big prayer. But do we, we forget that Joshua is fighting a battle here. He is still fighting against the enemy. And then he stands and prays this. And I want to encourage and challenge some of you. You want your sun stand still prayer but you don't want to do the wee bit of fighting before. We want our son stand still prayer, but God is saying, I need you to fight and do the last thing that I've asked you to do. I need you to fight against the enemy. I need to fight. I need you to fight for your story. I need you to fight in your battles so that I can come and do that one thing. So I can come and do what only I can do. And as we see, then God does his bit. Verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Joshua did his bit and God done the rest. Joshua stepped and just pushed his bit, what he could do, and God stepped in and done what only he could do. Church, God asks us to do the possible and he will do the impossible. God asks that you and I will just do the possible and he will step in and do the impossible. You can go and grab a seat. You see, you, know, you notice every time I added weights on this, it started with just the bar. And then as the journey went on, we put another few weights on. And then as the journey went on, we put some more weights on. And this is because, church, you may be in a battle right now. But you can look back over your life and see you've went on so many battles before. And it feels like, and I feel like this in my own life sometimes, I, I come out of one battle and I walk straight into the, another battle. And maybe you felt like that for a season of your life, David. I'm just going through one battle into the next, into the next, into the next. 
But I believe, church, that God doesn't just give you victories for you to stand still. He gives you victories to develop your faith to go into the next battle. He develops your faith so you can push something a wee bit harder, so you can fight a wee bit more. And you, all the battles you've went through in your life and for, and until now are so that you can go through this battle you're going through. God gives you faith. God gives you victory so to develop the faith to go into the next season. Because if we just have faith and have victory in one battle and just stand still, well, we're never going to grow. And your story is just going to stay the same. You're going to put full stop in it and that's it. But God is saying, no, I want you to develop your strength in that. I want you to develop your faith in that. So I'll take you into this next battle and develop you a bit further. So I'll take you into this next battle so you develop yourself a bit further. And we go from, from God giving us victory to, into another battle that we, that we have victory and we have to trust him, into another battle that we have victory and we have to trust him, into maybe a season where it's okay for a while, and then into another victory, another battle, another battle, another victory. And then we turn back and see, look at the journey I've come on. Look at the story I have written. Because God has given me victory after victory. I've had to fight against it. I've had to trust him. But look at the journey I have went on. And we see this in, in this passage. We see that there's the journey. There's the fight. There's the prayer. And then we go on to read the rest of Joshua. And the other things that he goes through. The other victories that he has. The other land that he conquers. All because of this one moment that God taught him something. One battle that God took him on. I'm going to ask Jonathan to come up now. Last week, church, some of you were stirred. Last week, some of you were stirred by, by the story you had written. And some of you were challenged to, to go home and fight under all the books of, the, of life that you've, you've put on top of your story. And you were challenged to open it and take the bookmark out and pick up where you left off. And pick up and go and fight this for the dream that God has given you. Fight for the story that God has given you to write. But in those dreams, there is battles. And some of you have went and looked at your dreams and looked at these battles and you thought, you know what? I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not strong enough to fight that. I'm not strong enough to, my dream was to see my family saved. And, and anytime I bring up the situation of Jesus in church, it, it's, it's a lost cause. Or God has maybe given you a dream to see your, your workplace Invite that friend to church. Invite that friend to, to come to know Jesus. Introduce him to church. And you look at him and be like, I can't do that. Anytime I bring that up, it just gets shot down. Or anytime I try to talk about Jesus in the workplace or in school or in uni, it just gets rejected. And so, God, I'm not good enough at that. And, and the enemy has, has reminded you of that this week. I believe you've tried to pick up your story and write that this week. And the enemy said, you're not good enough. You couldn't do that. Listen, it's easier just to slip that wee bookmark back in, close that, and set it down. No one will ever know. No one will ever know. And so what we do is we see these battles and we see these situations. Instead of walking and trying to, to push it, trying to fight it, we just turn and walk away from it again. We don't even try it. And church, I wonder over your life, your life so far, how many dreams have, have been lost because of this? How many stories would you, would you, are you never able to tell because you didn't even try it? Because you didn't even give it a go? Because you didn't even push that wee bit and do what God has asked you to do so that he can step in and do the impossible? I wonder how many stories and regrets so many of you have. But I believe God is saying to you tonight, there is still so much for you to write in your book. There is still so many stories to tell. 
There's still so much in there, but I just need you to go and just push this. I need you to do what you only you can do, and then I will do the rest. Oh. Church, I want to encourage you so much to go into your week this week and just do what you can do. Is to fight your battles. Is to speak out in your workplace. Is to encourage your family. To challenge your family. Do what God has asked you to do and let him speak in and pick up. Let him do the rest. If you would do it, you could do it. Go and ask the band to join me now. We're not going to go into any, we're going to ask us all to stand. We're not going to go into any prayer time. But I want to challenge you, church, that you will go into your stories this week and do what you can do and press your bit and fight your battle and take the steps God is asking you to do because He will meet you in those battles. He will meet you in that situation. He will meet you there. God met Joshua in the battlefield, but Joshua had to walk the 60 miles journey to get there. And God is wanting to meet you in the battle of your situations. God is wanting to meet you in your workplace, in your relationship breakdown. God is wanting you to meet you on your journey, but he needs you to take the first step. Church, I believe there has been an expectation and a move of the Spirit of God in this church. Why? Because we come with expectations. We don't wait for God to make the first move. We come into this building expecting him to do something. And what does he do? He says, I can show up there. Definitely. And so in the same way, your your situations, your battles, if you could just make the first move, if you could have some initiative and expect him to show up in your workplace, expect him tomorrow as you go into work for him to show up and to be speaking to people. Expect him when you go home tonight to your family, which is one of the hardest places to to show Jesus to if you expect him to be there he will show up but church he is asking you to make the first move he is asking you to make the first move in your story do not wait in him he will be there it is the faith that he is going to be there which will please him so go out this week write your story don't let the enemy say you aren't good enough don't let the enemy say you can't Because if you will just push your bit, God will pull and do the rest. If he asks you to do the possible, it is so that he can step in and will do the impossible. Go out and write your story.